Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. So this morning, we're wrapping up our series called Certainty in Uncertain Times. And it's all about leaning on the certain promises of Scripture rather than the uncertain circumstances of the world around us. And one of the key texts we've been looking at throughout this series has been Romans 8.28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Now, most of the time, I think we hear that verse or we read that verse and we think, okay, yeah, I can believe that. Because ultimately, whatever problems we have in this world will be washed away in eternity. So it'll all turn out to be good. But what if I told you that God has a purpose for our problems right here on earth and he uses our problems to better us here on earth? That's the question we're going to wrestle with this morning. What is God's purpose in the midst of our trials and difficulties in life? Now, to answer this question, I want to walk us verse by verse through a portion of the book of James, because James tackles this issue head on at the very beginning of his letter. And he very clearly spells out the purpose of our problems and what our response should be to our problems. So let's dive in here. This is James chapter one, beginning in verse one. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. He was writing to the Jewish people in the first century. Greetings. Now, let me pause here for a minute and say that that is the most understated introduction of any book in the Bible. Because do you know who James was? James was the half-brother of Jesus. That means he was Mary and Joseph's son. Jesus was only Mary's son. He wasn't Joseph's son because God was the father of Jesus. But the Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph had many children later on, and James was one of them. And at first, James was not a follower of Jesus. He didn't believe that his half-brother was the Messiah during Jesus' entire earthly ministry. He was a skeptic. And you could kind of figure that, right? A younger brother not believing in an older brother, pretty typical. I mean, growing up, I didn't trust my older brothers as far as I could throw them. But when Jesus came back from the grave and appeared to people, including his half-brother, James became a believer. And later, he was actually the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So I would say if anybody had a right to drop names, it's this guy. I mean, he could have said, James, the guy who grew up with Jesus, or James, the half-brother of Jesus. Or James, Jesus' best friend growing up, that kind of thing. But he doesn't. He simply says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't pull rank. He doesn't promote his pedigree. And then in verse 2, he starts getting into the issue of God's purpose in your problems. Let me read this to you. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking 
anything. When all kinds of trials come into your life, James says, consider it pure joy. Really? James says, you got problems? Be happy. You got problems? Rejoice. You got problems? Smile. Now, I know what you're thinking. Are you kidding me? Why should I rejoice about this COVID-19 mess? Why should I rejoice about a shaky economy? How is that possible? Well, the key to maintaining a positive attitude in the middle of a crisis is the word no. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. James says your success in handling this COVID-19 pandemic and the impending economic crisis, it comes down to what you know. It comes back to your faith. This whole COVID-19 situation has radically altered our lives. I mean, it's created health problems, economic problems, marriage problems, financial problems, tons of problems. And James says your success in handling these problems will be determined by your understanding and attitude toward the problems. It's what you know. And God here gives us four reminders about problems that I put in your notes. And by the way, if you're not downloading the bulletin each week, let me encourage you, please start doing that. It'll help you to remember these truths. The link is right below the video on our website, hillcountry.life. You can pause the video right now, go print it out or pull it up on your device. Okay, four reminders about trials and problems in your life. Number one, he says problems are inevitable. Problems are inevitable whenever you face trials of many kinds. He doesn't say if all kinds of trials come. He says when. You can count on them. People, this is not heaven where everything is perfect. This is earth where everything is broken. And he says you will have problems. You can bank on it. I mean, Jesus said the same thing. In this world, you will have trials, temptations, tribulation. Don't act like it's something new. Everybody goes through hard times. Life is difficult. This is not heaven. This is earth. And nobody is immune. Nobody is insulated. Nobody is exempt. And I remember one time back when I was in college, I was going through some difficult times. And I just started praying, God, would you give me patience? Give me patience. And instead of the trials getting better, they actually got worse. And so I said, God, I really, really need patience. And then the problems got even worse. Hey, what was going on? Well, I realized that after about six months, I was a lot more patient than when I started out. That the way God was teaching me patience was through those difficulties. See, problems are not some kind of elective course you have a choice to take in life. No, they're required. You can't opt out of them. In order to graduate from the school of life, you're gonna have to go through the school of hard knocks. Problems are inevitable. Second, problems are variable. They're not all the same. I mean, not only do you get them, but you get different ones. James talks about trials of many kinds. Trials of many kinds. We will go through all kinds of trials in life. You know, my wife and I, we live out on 10 acres of land. We've been out there for about six years now. And one of the things we've been trying to do is to get more grass than weeds on our property. I mean, you talk about trials of many kinds. We have longhorns for our agricultural exemption, and one of them actually died from eating a toxic weed on our property. So we have no choice. We have to stay on top of this. And apparently, agricultural experts have classified 205 different kinds of weeds here in the United States. I'm convinced all 205 of them grow out on our ranch. 
And so we have professionals come out and spray. We try to dig them up and plant grass near our house. But it's an ongoing battle here in Central Texas. And that is an apt word picture because there are many kinds of weeds and there are many kinds of trials and problems in life. They come in all shapes and all sizes. The Greek term many kinds here, poikilois, it means multicolored. In other words, there are a lot of shades of stress in your life. Would you agree with that? I mean, there's financial stress, there's relational stress, there's health stress, there's physical stress, there's time stress. He's saying trials come in all different colors. They're variable. What I mean by that is they vary in intensity. In other words, some are more difficult, some are less difficult. Some last a long time, some we don't know how long it's going to last. I saw a sign the other day that said, into every life some rain must fall. But this is ridiculous. That's the way a lot of people are feeling right now. This is ridiculous. So problems are inevitable. Problems are variable. Third, problems are unpredictable. Problems are unpredictable. James says, whenever you face trials. You see, you don't know when trials are going to show up, do you? It happens whenever. And, And no problem comes when you need it or don't need it. It just comes when it wants to come. I mean, that's part of why it's a problem. Problems come at the most inopportune time, don't they? And you're like, oh, not now. I mean, any other time, but now. You don't get a flat tire when you have plenty of time, do you? No, it's always when you're in a hurry to get someplace. It's like the baby spits up on your brand new dress as you're walking out the door for an important evening engagement. Or the zipper on your pants gets stuck in the down position when you're about to get up to preach. Hypothetically speaking, of course. That's why I wear my shirts untucked, just in case. The bottom line is this, problems are unpredictable. Okay, one more thing the Bible says about problems. Problems are purposeful. God has a purpose in everything, even the bad things that happen in our lives. See, God can bring good out of them. And, And hear me on this, God doesn't cause all these problems. In fact, did you know that statistically most problems people cause themselves? Most problems we cause ourselves. Take sickness, for example. Studies have shown that about 80% of the health problems in this country, in America, are caused by what are called chronic lifestyle choices. In other words, we just don't do the right healthy thing, whether it's eating, sleeping, exercising, and so forth. Of course, on the flip side, sometimes there's nothing we can do about sickness. Kind of like what we're seeing right now with the COVID-19 virus. But either way, problems are purposeful. They come to produce something. James says, the testing of your faith produces, some versions say develops, perseverance. Problems can be productive. Now, they're not automatically productive. This coronavirus situation, if I don't respond in the right way, it won't produce anything good in my life. But if I respond in the right way, even the most negative things in my life can produce growth, can produce benefit. Suffering, stress, sorrow, yes, even sickness can accomplish something of value if we let it. It's all in our choice. It's all in our attitude. God uses the difficulties in our lives. You say, well, how does he do that? How does God use trials and problems in our lives? Glad you asked. Because the rest of this passage gives us an answer. Isn't that great? 
God has three purposes in our problems. And James spells them out here. First, problems test my faith. Problems test my faith. Your faith is like a muscle. A muscle can't be strengthened unless it's tested, unless it's stretched, unless it's put under pressure, pressure, right? When I go to the gym, I don't develop strong muscles by lifting the little pink three ounce dumbbells. I mean, that way work for some people. It's not going to test my muscles. And you only develop strong muscles by stretching them, by tearing them, by testing them, by pushing them to the limit. So James is saying that problems come to test my faith. That word testing here, dokamion. It's a Greek term that was used for refining metals. They would take a precious metal like silver or gold, put it in a big pot, and then heat it to extremely high temperatures. Why? Well, in the high temperatures, all the impurities are burned off. And the only thing that's left is the pure gold or the pure silver. See, that's the Greek word here for testing. It's a refining fire that God allows in our lives, and it burns off stuff that isn't that important. Do you know what's happened over the last couple months? Stuff that we all thought was really important, we kind of came to realize, I can get along just fine without that. I mean, this situation has kind of reordered our priorities. I'm, I'm a pretty structured person with my eating, and some of what I was used to eating has been out of stock, and I realized I can survive without it. But God, who is rich in grace and mercy, he's been so good to me, Shanghai Express has still been delivering, so I'm okay. But so many things that were just a part of my regular routine, like going to the gym, I've realized I can manage without it. I don't like it, but I can manage without it. You know, the classic example of how problems test your faith is the whole story of Job in the Old Testament. Job was the wealthiest man in his day. And in a single day, he lost everything. Through a combination of natural disasters and terrorist attacks, he lost his family, he lost his wealth, he lost his friends. He ended up with a dreaded, very painful chronic disease that couldn't be cured. And yet in the midst of it all, God was testing his faith. Are you ready for the good news? God later restored it all to Job. God actually doubled what he had before he went through the big test. And I actually think that God has something good for us on the other side of this corona pandemic as well. They say people are like tea bags. You don't really know what's in them until you drop them in hot water. And then you can see what's really inside of them. You ever had one of those hot water days, weeks, months? I mean, we're in a hot situation right now. And in the days ahead, what's gonna come out of you is what's inside of you. So if you're filled with bitterness, that'll come out. If you're filled with anger or frustration, that'll come out. If you're filled with worry, guilt, shame, insecurity, fear, that's going to come out. Whatever is inside of you is what's going to come out. Problems test my faith. Okay, how about the second purpose of problems? Problems develop my endurance. Okay, that's the next part of this verse. It says the testing of your faith develops perseverance. What's the result of problems in your life? Staying power. It's literally the ability to handle pressure. Today we would call it resilience, being able to bounce back. I think that's one of the greatest qualities every person needs to learn, resilience. Because everybody fails. Everybody goes through tough times. Everybody gets sick at different times. And the question is, how do you learn to keep on keeping on? How do you learn to handle pressure? through experience, 
Folks, that's the only way. You don't learn how to handle pressure in a textbook. You don't learn how to handle pressure in a seminar. You learn how to handle pressure by being put under pressure. I think America has had a kind of love affair with convenience. And over the past couple months, a lot of things have been flat out inconvenient. So how do you deal with life when everything isn't comfortable for you? When you have to keep on keeping on, even if you're not feeling it. I have a really close friend and she is a phenomenal runner. I mean, we're talking big leagues. She qualified for the Boston Marathon. And you want to know what her secret is? Endurance. See, she's not super fast. She's not a sprinter, but she has mastered the art of endurance. You see, the goal of a marathon is really not about speed. You know, how quickly can you get there? It's about endurance. Can you finish the race? And how do you prepare for those kinds of things? Only by going through them. I mean, she prepped for those marathons, not by doing one or two mile runs, but by doing six mile, 12 mile, 16 mile practice runs. You gain endurance by practicing enduring. So when you're stretched in the days ahead, remember, problems test your faith and problems produce endurance. Then the third thing James tells us is this, problems mature my character. Verse four says this, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wouldn't it be great to have that kind of maturity? I mean, wouldn't you like to hear people say, that woman, she's got no weak spots in her character. That man has no weak spots in his character. There was a famous study done many years ago in Russia. It was about how different living conditions affected the longevity or lifespan of different animals. And so they put some animals in easy living conditions and other animals in a more difficult, harsh environment. And the scientists discovered that the animals that were placed in the more comfortable, easy conditions actually became weaker and more susceptible to sickness. Why? Because the conditions were so easy. And those living in more comfortable conditions died sooner than those who were allowed to experience the normal hardships of life. Isn't that interesting? Well, what's true of animals, I'm sure, is true of our character too. And in the Western culture, particularly in modern times, we've had it so easy in so many ways. But God's number one goal in your life is to make you more like Jesus in your character, to think like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to love like Jesus. And since that's true, God is going to take you through the same kinds of things Jesus went through to grow your character. You say, well, what was Jesus's character like? Jesus was full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those things the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. How does God produce those in us? By putting us in the opposite situation. Isn't that true? We learn patience when we're tempted to be impatient. We learn love when we're put around unlovely people. We learn kindness when we're tempted to be selfish. So in the days ahead, don't just focus on you and your family and your challenges. Begin to think about other people, helping those who are vulnerable, the elderly, the unemployed, the financially challenged. Because if you'll reach out, your soul will grow. And you'll be a better person at the end of this crisis than you were at the start. God wants to build your character. And he often uses circumstances to get our attention. 
Now let's say you've arrived. You say, okay, Brian, I get it. God wants to use this to grow my character. So what am I supposed to do? In the days and weeks and months ahead, as we try to recover from this whole corona mess, how should we respond to the difficulties? I mean, I'm talking about the problems that are the result of being out of work or the kids being at home or all the other things that have upset life as it normally has been. How should we respond? Well, again, James is very specific. This is fantastic. He gives us four very practical responses. First response is this. When you're going through tough times, rejoice. Rejoice in the problem. Consider it pure joy. And you're going, are you kidding me? That sounds masochistic. (laughs) Well, don't misunderstand this. He's not saying fake it. He's not saying put on a plastic smile, pretend everything's okay and sing the sun will come out tomorrow. It may not come out tomorrow or next week even. He's not saying deny reality or be a masochist. Yay, I get to go through pain. No, God hates pain as much as you do. It's much, much deeper than that. Listen, we don't rejoice for the problem. We rejoice in the problem. See, there are still a lot of things to rejoice about. Not the problem itself, but the other things that we can rejoice about in the midst of the problem. How can we rejoice even in the problem? Because we know there's a purpose for it. Notice he says, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. Consider means to deliberately make up your mind. There's an attitude adjustment you're going to have to make here. It's your choice to rejoice. You know, in the Old Testament, in Psalm 34, 1, the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times, at all times. And notice he says, I will. See, it's a choice of the will. It's a decision. It's a commitment that you're going to make. And you see, you're going to go through these months ahead one way or another. You can choose to go through them with a good attitude or a bad attitude. And if your attitude's bad, you're going to make yourself and everybody else around you miserable. But if your attitude is good, it's your choice to rejoice. So let's look on the bright side. Let's find the things we can thank God for. And let's realize that even in the bad, God can bring some good out of it. So let me just encourage you, all of us, to make a conscious attitude adjustment. It's our choice to rejoice. Okay, the second response is this, request. Request, ask God for wisdom. Verse five says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. And why ask for wisdom in the middle of a problem? so you can learn from it. See, it's much more helpful if you'll stop asking why and start asking what. Stop asking why and start asking what. Instead of going, why is this happening, God? Ask, what do you want me to learn, God? Yeah, I'm being tested, but I'm not gonna worry about the why. Why doesn't even really matter. What matters is what I'm gonna learn about how to be a better person through this trial. Now, in order to do that, you've got to ask God for wisdom. And he'll give it to you generously, it says. So you say, God, I need wisdom as a mom. I mean, my kids being home all the time has has made my hair turn gray. Or maybe that's just because I couldn't get it colored. I don't know. But I'm about to strangle my kids, Lord. Or you say, God, I need wisdom as a dad. How do I leave when I have no job? Or my job is in jeopardy or I, I can't work and make money right now. Ask God for wisdom. Don't ask why, 
ask what? So first, you rejoice. Second, you request. Third thing James says to do is relax. Relax and trust God. I've just got to chill out. We talked about this last Sunday. Don't get yourself in a heap of nerves. Don't get stressed out. Worrying doesn't change the future. God says, I'll take care of you. Trust me. Trust that God knows what's best and cooperate with him. Say, God, I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to relax and trust you in this situation. Look at verse six. It says, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. All the problems that are in your life, including this COVID virus, the devil means to defeat you with these problems. He means to lead you toward fear and doubt. But God wants to develop you through these problems. Satan wants to defeat you, but God wants to develop you. Now, the problems that come into your life don't automatically make you a better person. I think a lot of people become bitter people as a result of them. And it's your attitude toward the problems, again, that makes all the difference. And that leads us to our last point. The fourth response to problems is to remember. Remember God's promise. This is down in James 1.12. It says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, it's a test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. What is James saying? The person who handles difficulties well, like the situation we're in right now, he or she will be blessed by God. James says the one who endures, the one who perseveres, the one who trusts God, the one who keeps believing under trial, when he has stood the test, what does that mean? It means the trial's temporary. It's not going to last forever. Like all tests, there's an end to it. You'll come out the other end of the tunnel and you will receive the crown of life. Now, there's a lot of speculation on what that means, what that might be. But one thing we know for sure, it's good. It is a blessing from God. Church family, it, it's your choice to rejoice. It's your choice to request, to ask God for wisdom. It's your choice to relax and trust God instead of doubting. And it's your choice to endure through the trial and wait for God's blessings, God's reward at the end, because sooner or later it will come to pass. Now I want to close with this thought. A crisis doesn't just create problems, it often reveals them. This crisis can reveal some cracks in your marriage. This crisis can reveal some cracks in your relationship with God, some cracks in your lifestyle that, that maybe you were pushing yourself too hard or, or focusing on the wrong things in life. So be willing to let God speak to you about what needs to change in your life, all right? Now, before I close in prayer, it's really been on my heart to share with my church family what an encouragement you've been to me personally. I gotta tell you, over the past few months, I have been blown away by your love, by your faith, and by your sacrificial giving spirit in the midst of this crisis. I consider myself so blessed to serve this wonderful church family. And I want you to know that I've been praying for you, praying for you all, and I will keep praying for you every single day. People, we will get through this together. This is not the end of the story. God is still on his throne, 
And I'm fully confident that he's going to use this crazy situation we're going through to grow our faith and bring many people into a relationship with himself in surprising ways. I mean, we could even have a spiritual revival out of all this because people often turn to God when they're going through tough times. Let's pray together. Lord, I just want to thank you for this amazing, very short but powerful passage from the book of James. God, I want to thank you that that James reveals to us both the purpose of problems in our lives and what our response should be to the problems in our lives. God, I pray that we would learn these simple truths, that problems test our faith. They reveal cracks in in our faith that, that need to be strengthened. And problems develop endurance in our lives. They help us to be more resilient. And problems also mature our character. They make us more like Jesus, which I know is your goal for each and every one of us as Christians. So God, I pray that in the midst of these problems that we would take James' advice, that we would rejoice in the problem, not for the problem, but we would focus on the good even in the midst of the problems we face. I pray that we would learn to request wisdom, that we would trust that you will give wisdom generously to us if we'll simply ask for it. I pray that we would relax and trust you, that we would practice Philippians 4 daily, not to be anxious, but to reveal our deepest fears, our deepest insecurities to you. And finally, Lord, I pray that we would remember your promise, that we would remember that at the end of the testing period, there will be wonderful, amazing rewards for all those who are faithful. So Lord, that's our prayer, that we would take this message and apply these truths, these powerful truths that James has given us to our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.